0: take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Welcome to a Life Rabbit Hole.
1: So pleased to be joined here in this uh, very interesting time, to say the least, with uh, Brianna Pizzuto from Talk Tools Training. How are you today?
0: I'm good. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me
1: in a very very uh it's my pleasure the first thing i like to start off in these times is uh you know how how are you doing how are you coping with all the, these changes and this new reality that we're kind of living with and uncertainty
0: well uncertainty is the word um today i'm doing okay i think that like everybody there's definitely been ups and downs and not being able to Um, having a lot of things out of our individual control is really hard. Um, But there's also moments to find kindness and joy in the world right now. And I think that I see the world operating in a different way, which even though it has challenges, might turn out for the better for all of us when this is all over. So I kind of vacillate between hope and fear right now, I think.
1: Yeah. And I'd love to get into that a little bit in a little bit, but first I wanted to start off uh, with your background a little bit and what talk tool to train. Sorry, I already butchered that, but uh, I'll let you say that better than I can. But, um, you know, where you got this idea to start your your business and your mission?
0: Yeah, so my background in school is in health sciences and psychology. I have two degrees from auto U and after i graduated school i started working in the social services field so i've worked in addictions i've worked in supportive housing and then i worked at the ottawa distress center which is a 24-hour call line free call line in ottawa where i was training their volunteers and um worked there for a while dealt with my own Mental health in the way of compassion fatigue and burnout, which I wouldn't have called it at the time, but afterwards looking back, it's definitely what it was. So I decided to leave there, and um, and then a friend of mine, you know, I'm I'm a trainer of a program that's not my own. It's part of a pro bunch of programs that I offer, but it's a standardized program. And I had the idea to go out and train that in the community. And a friend of mine said, you know, Brie, you've got to teach the of listening and how to have conversations about mental health and uh, that's where the idea for talk tools started and so it's been a little bit over two and a half years i did end up um i've only been working full-time in my business since august of 2019 i did end up taking another job at a different social services agency for a little while but now i'm full-time in it and what i'm really trying to do with talk tools is get into organizations and get in front of individuals who believe i think as most canadians do that we're at a point where we know we need to be talking about mental health and we have great initiatives like bell let's talk day and we're all saying we need to talk about it we need to talk about it but when it comes down to how do we actually do that um mental health is still a taboo subject as is suicide and i think not a lot of people really know how to dig into those conversations or feel comfortable talking about feelings and emotions or feel comfortable just listening to someone without having to come up with some kind of solution or problem solving. So that's what I do with Talk Tools. I offer a variety of programs as well as consulting, mostly with managers on how to support your team in the workplace and how to help safe conversations happen in the workplace, um, which obviously leads to better retention and lower turnover and better staff satisfaction.
1: Yeah, that's a, you know, when someone like myself who talks about mental health and, and, you know, I talk about it quite openly. So I find even today, so even today I put out a thread on Facebook or on Twitter story and kind of talking about how you see a lot of people right now on the internet kind of either two ways. They're either really mad at people who are going outside, which is fair in this time. I can see that. The second you kind of see a lot of people, which I, I'm not against is this positivity, Um, kind of being like you know I know it sucks right now, but everything's we're in this together and all that, which is great. But none of that was resonating with me, so I put out a a thread today, just doing like a a, a roll call, I called it, asking how people were feeling because I'm having a tough time. You know, I've made a lot of friends in the community, uh, mental health community here in Ottawa, and people responded. But I also had a lot of people offering advice to me. Um, or, or telling me, oh, you should try this, or or you should do that. And I know they're coming at it from a great place. But I, like, I wasn't necessarily looking for advice, you know. I'm just like putting out my thoughts and taking you on my journey. So it's interesting that you brought that part up.
0: Yeah, I think like our natural instinct as human being is, is when we hear somebody else has a problem, we instantly go to problem solving for them. And... The truth is that just because somebody has uh, is has a mental illness or is dealing with poor mental health at the moment doesn't mean they're not capable of coming up with solutions for themselves. They still know what's best for them, and they some sometimes they might be reaching out for a certain resource or um, to get new ideas for coping skills or something like that. But for the most part, we all just want to be heard, and I don't I don't think we really learn how to actively listen or just hold space for someone. And um, I think you're really brave for being so public about your mental health. I think there's a lot of people that have never told anybody how they're really feeling or that they're struggling. And I I think and I know from working at the distress center that how somebody is reacted to the first time they disclose their struggle is really going to impact whether or not they continue to seek help and so why not make that first reaction a positive experience because unfortunately a lot of people have negative experiences of shame and stigma and and being told given a poor advice or told to just suck it up um, or not even really believed for what they're going through and I think that's really unfortunate because somebody who receives a response like that is not going to continue seeking help they're just going to further isolate and further withdraw into themselves and that's what I'm trying to prevent with talk tools. I'm just teaching people like, what are the signs you should be watching for? And when your friend or coworker or colleague puts out a post like that on Facebook, how can you respond in a helpful way without really um, just jumping in to offer solutions?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. It takes me back to episodes I had with uh, Greg and um, Silverhead Cop, both whom have experienced PTSD uh and both of them in our conversation stated that the first time that they tried to talk about their feelings openly with friends that they were met with that resistance you were you were kind of talking about or uh, that negative experience and it it really affected them for years from even seeking professional help um and the the detriment and even the spiral that they went into because of that negative experience aff- affected them so greatly When you talk about active listening, what, what is that? What is, what does that mean specifically?
0: So to me, active listening and active communication means reading between the lines. So it's not just what a person listening to what a person is saying to you, but also taking in all the cues of what is their body language saying to you? um, What, what's the context, what's the emotion behind what they're saying? And then with that information, just responding in a way that isn't problem solving, which can be making a reflection back to someone about um, maybe your understanding of their situation, um, asking questions in a way that digs a little bit deeper. I think that, I was just on a call today with a bunch of managers who are struggling with managing remote teams now as a result of the situation that we're in with the pandemic and not knowing how to reach people who um, when they ask are you how are you doing and they get the I'm fine and so active listening is going a bit deeper into that um you know well I've noticed x y and z about you lately or I've noticed that um I don't know your work is suffering or we haven't seen you around as much or you're not you don't seem to be as engaged as you usually are and I'm worried about you what's going on so it's just taking conversations to a bit of a deeper level and in my trainings I go through quite a few active listening skills um you know like staying away from asking someone why why are you feeling like that why didn't you do this thing you said you were going to do why 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 and why is a really judgmental question and particularly to someone who's dealing with mental poor mental health or mental illness sometimes you just don't know why we're feeling a certain way I mean like lately when we're dealing with COVID-19 and all of that we can say I'm feeling down today because I'm uncertain about finances or I've been dealing with working remotely or whatever it might be but some days we just wake up and we're not feeling it and there isn't really a reason why and so that's just one of the tips I go through of just being more mindful I guess about how we're really talking to people and um, and also the cues that we're picking up on like are you picking up on somebody's telling you something that to you doesn't really seem very important but it's causing them to cry so obviously there's something else going on here that we want to dig a little bit deeper into and so that's what active listening is in the context of my workshops is just getting a bit deeper into communication and not just taking messages at face value
1: so what are some effective ways i mean i don't want you to you give up your whole lesson plan so people don't come to see you but you know someone especially dealing with someone like myself who you you put it like perfectly for me that sometimes I wake up and I I don't know why I'm feeling this way or you know why I'm in a room full of everyone who who loves me and uh, I should feel great happiness but I feel i like I can't give them a reason why I feel that way Mm -hmm. you know what would be some good advice you know for me because I don't even know how to answer people (laughs) when when they ask me like that that conversation, like, what are some good ways to to dig into that a little bit? But like do it safely, because I think everyone is also worried that if I dig too deep or if I ask too many questions, it's gonna make things worse.
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think I think a big part of what I talk about is empathy and this idea that we don't have to have gone through the same situation um to to put ourselves in somebody else's perspective and that oftentimes we think empathy means understanding what someone else is going through and i don't think we can ever truly understand what somebody else is going through but definitely you know if i'm having somebody telling me they feel numb today or they just don't know why they're feeling off um accepting that that's true first of all you don't have to um you know i've talked to people who don't even really believe in mental health or you know that kind of have that buck up attitude which i don't subscribe to at all and i think that believing the person first of all is really important um also just letting that person tell you what they need like we undervalue silence in our society where we live in western culture where we have to fill every moment or we feel pressured to fill every moment and actually just sitting beside someone in silence and just letting them know that you're I mean, not right now while we're all physically distancing, but um, just letting someone have the time to cry if they need to or just sit with you if they need to can be really powerful. And focusing less on the why or what happened and more on uh, what do you need right now? Do you need space or do you need to be surrounded by people or um, do you need to be reminded of your strengths and, and the parts that I like about you? Um, do you need to do an activity? Does it distract yourself from what you're feeling? Um, do you need to get fresh air? Like I think really leaving it. I think we underestimate people's abilities to really know what they really need. And sometimes you don't know what you really need. But having someone say, "Hey, how can I help you?" versus just kind of force solutions on you, I find um, has been much more helpful for me than somebody just telling me what they think I need or asking me all these questions and particularly when we're talking about PTSD, it's, it's really not helpful to, um, you know, for your friends that you mentioned about having PTSD, it's really not helpful to have someone with PTSD talk too much about flashbacks or nightmares that they're having in the actual content because it's been shown that that can be re-traumatizing. And so actually what somebody might need with PTSD is more knowing a reminder that you're safe right now, Um, maybe a distraction or some grounding exercises to get them back in the moment and uh, I think the problem is though with our society is that people really don't want to talk about emotions and feelings and so having say someone say I'm feeling numb or I know I should be feeling joy but I don't or I feel lonely we just we don't like admitting it and when somebody admits it it makes us uncomfortable and so I think part of Part of breaking down that stigma is just kind of wading through that uncomfortableness with someone and recognizing that we're all human. And the truth is you don't need a diagnosis. We all have mental health um, that varies day by day and moment by moment. And recognizing that um, there is something shared there, whether or not our experiences are actually shared, uh, we can still connect with other people.
1: Yeah, that's, it's, a, it's a great point. Um... Like I know, I know for myself that the the minute I started opening up, and, and you got over, people got over the the initial shock. The amount of people who not only, you know, I knew on a on a personal level, uh, friends, family, you know, that that type of thing, but like acquaintances, uh, people I hadn't talked to in years from high school, like were all of a sudden reaching out. And that, you know, while some of my, you know, symptoms and and things I deal with are a little bit more extreme than a lot of people that at the surface level, like, especially when you look right now, like I don't know a lot of people who might not be feeling anxious right now. Mm -hmm. And if you're not, you know, maybe deep into the mental health community, like you or I, that there's some real things that people don't know how to talk about right now and and don't know how to express their feelings. And, you know, they don't want to go to social media and just spill all of their emotions out. Uh, I know a lot of people are like that, but like, who can, who can you talk to? Uh, And I think a lot of people are asking that question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah,
0: I think that um, this is going to be a really interesting time for how we prioritize communication. Um, I wanted to say when you were talking about, you know, having come out with your own story and people reaching out to you, it's so close to the surface for so many people. Um, And once you are identified as a safe person, I mean, that happens to me too. And I speak less about my own experience. But when people find out that I give these workshops about mental health and suicide intervention, Uh, and that's my business the number of strangers that have instantly told me their deepest darkest um basically secrets that they have never told anyone about how they're struggling right at this moment is it always amazes me and I'm always so honored when somebody shares with me and it really doesn't take much past just knowing that this is my business for people to feel safe enough with me for that to happen so I'm really not surprised that that happened to you when you're open about your own struggles because I think it is top of mind for a lot of people and it's right at the surface and now that we um you know we're we're all maybe making a point of checking in with each other or should be making a point of checking in with each other um some of us have more time on our hands as things get postponed or delayed and so people who are at home that maybe don't have other things to do or reaching out more, I think it becomes more and more important to have deeper conversations. And um, the uncertainty, like you said earlier, is just so strong right now. And that is just exactly what fuels anxiety and depression to some extent is is uncertainty and uh, lack of control. And I think that that's one of the biggest challenges of the situation we're in is is the uncertainty and it's really tough. There is no easy answer other than focusing on what we can control and still reaching out to each other. I mean, I I was talking today with someone who was saying that they have staff members who live alone and are single, and if the social isolation goes on for much longer, they won't see a human being in the flesh for weeks or months. And to me, that's that just sounds really sad. I mean, as good as video chat and phone calls are, it's just not the same. And so. I hope that people will continue to keep reaching out over the channels that they can but i also hope that i know for sure i'll never take for granted a hug from a friend ever again or being able to just meet up for a coffee because those things are so important
1: yeah it's all these things that we we just let slide i remember you know not too long ago that the requests of wanting to meet i was kind of like oh like i I don't know how i'm going to meet all these people and it was becoming a stress and now all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, what I wouldn't, yeah, you know, wouldn't get want to give to just like go out and. and it's only been like like a week, week and a, a couple of days, and it, it like feels like an eternity. I but I think the biggest thing I'm struggling with right now is, besides you know the chatter on social media, that if this is an extended period of, you know, social distancing or physical distancing, as they call it you know, what are the ramifications health-wise beyond just the COVID-19 virus? For me, that, that truly is concerning because, again, it's only been a week and I already find myself, like, mentally s- struggling with anxiety and depression. And uh, if, I've seen some reports saying this could last nine months and it's generally concerning to me, like, like if how I'm going to be able to do it
0: yeah i think you're not alone in that i i've been thinking about that too i think that um i think unfortunately we're probably going to see a spike in in suicide attempts or deaths by suicide i think that um the longer this goes on the more people are losing jobs and income and financial stability i think the ramifications are going to be quite large I think there's also a potential that we find a new way to live in the world and connect with each other that's my optimistic side holding out hope for this changing things for the better but I think that there is a huge risk I mean I I was having a conversation with a friend uh, tonight about essential services and whether or not LCBO is an essential service and for somebody with an alcohol addiction it would be very dangerous if the liquor store is closed right now. And I think there's a lot of people making jokes about stocking up for, um, making jokes about Ford and, and his policies on alcohol and that kind of thing. But those of us in mental health and social services can't help, but think about, you know, people with addictions and substance use disorders will really physically and mentally struggle. Um, if that happens and that's just one piece of a much larger puzzle in the mental health sphere Um, and i don't know what the answer is other than uh, then to try to keep connecting with each other and checking in with each other i mean i'm not mentally prepared for nine months of isolation either i think i'm mentally prepared for maybe the middle of april and then after that i don't know i can't even fathom all the consequences that are going to come if it goes on for months and months
1: yeah. And that, you know, that point you just brought up about the addiction is, you know, that's something that didn't cross my mind. And I'm, you know, in the mental health community. like uh, just kind of speechless on that point, because it's so true. And even if you think about, you know, homeless people or even people not homeless, but addicted to the opioids, and now we're having this crackdown that could potentially become government enforced where people are are issued fines or, or more for, for gathering that, that just adds a whole other element and layer to this whole conversation that not only you and I are having right now, but society as a, as a whole and how we're going to deal with this, that I know right now, we're not at that point because this is still new, but these are real difficult conversations and decisions that, you know, our government officials are going to be tasked to, deal with and enforce and I don't there's no easy answer
0: no and I really feel for I mean talk about having empathy and I'm I'm not um I don't want to get into a discussion about politics tonight but I really have empathy for the government officials that have been making these decisions I think that um I mean this has never happened to this extent before right in in history. I mean there's been other pandemics, but just the the closing down of of borders and the isolation in other countries like Italy and China and Iran and we've we've never been through this before. And so I really have empathy for people that are making decisions uh, right now for the greater good that um, they're human beings also and they don't there's no manual on this. So it's really difficult, you know just to think about every day I, and i think that's why it's so important to also limit our media which i can imagine would be really difficult for you to do working in media is that we need to be really careful about how much we're consuming and how much we're letting ourselves go down the rabbit hole because i'm not saying that we can ignore what's going on but i do think the more we dwell in it think about all the possible negative consequences the more we're not living in the moment or maybe being grateful for what we have right now and the people that are trying to help and, and do something well. And that's not to discount the pain that people are in. Um, but no, there is no easy answer and that's, that's a depressing fact in itself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I do want to shift gears a little bit off the pandemic to, you know, as we're having a mental health conversation, but you know, the reason, the, the reason we initially, um, kind of discuss coming on the podcast is one we did meet a few months ago at uh, the made of millions dear manager event which, which was great and you had a couple events that were coming up um and uh unfortunately or post- postponed until we you know figure out what's going on but i do want to kind of still talk about the events because i think there's a lot of merit to them and then i, I might put you on the spot with a little bit of a question but don't worry about that um, what, what were the events coming up and, and, you know, potentially what we could look forward to coming in Ottawa uh, when things get back to normal?
0: So the big event that I had coming up uh, April 21st was called Relating and Responding to Mental Health Manager's Edition. So um, it's actually sold out. And at this point, we have opened a second date in September 1st if we're not going to be able to go ahead with the able training then we'll uh, we'll still honor everybody's registration and have them in September. Um, but basically it's a full day event and we myself and another speaker, she's a her name's Amanda Rushlow and she's a social worker that works on compassion fatigue and burnout. We have put together a curriculum that covers um, you know how how to manage a team what we've been finding this event is in response to managers and directors coming to both of us in our businesses and saying you know i was really good at x and i got promoted to a manager and now i have a team of two ten hundred staff and i totally underestimated how managing other people's mental health um, how taxing that is and how out of my depth I am because that wasn't what I was doing before I was a manager. And so this day is really designed to give managers practical skills on how to prioritize wellness in the workplace, how to make the space safe for people to come forward when they're struggling. Also educating. I think a lot of people don't know yet that the Ontario Health and Safety Act actually has legal obligations for employers, not just for employees Physical health, but also mental health. And employers can now be held liable if an employee suffers uh, a mental injury on the job. So, a lot of places, a lot of employers don't know about that yet. So, we were going to, well, we are going to um, educate people on their responsibilities when it comes to the law. And then, Amanda's specialty is burnout and compassion fatigue. So, a part of our day will be spent talking about the factors that lead to burnout in the workplace and having managers reflect on whether they are. Um, perpetuating any of those factors, or what they can do to mitigate those factors, because um, burnout—it, you know, there's studies that show that 50% of workers in all industries are burned out, and that's costing the Canadian economy billions of dollars, and um, it's really something that needs to be addressed. So that was Manager's Day. Like I said, it's April 21st. It is sold out. We're not sure. We're hoping. I think maybe unrealistically to still be able to go ahead with it but if we're not able to in April we're holding another session September 18th and then the other session that I had uh, that's likely going to be cancelled was relating and responding to mental health parents edition so that one's in partnership with um, Sylvia and she has a company where she consults with parents and families on difficult behaviors and how parents can better support their kids. And so we were going to do a similar topic as for managers, but more geared towards parents of how do you reconnect with your kids. Um, you know, in an age where there's studies showing that kids can't even describe their feelings because they're so used to using emojis and, and conversing over technology that kids these days can't even say, I'm feeling bored or I'm feeling lonely or I feel sad. They just don't have the words. And so that day, will really be about how to have difficult conversations with your kids a lot of parents shy away from talking about mental health because they don't know how to do it in an age-appropriate way and so we were we we're hoping to give parents practical skills on on how to have those conversations and so i haven't talked to sylvia yet about that day being rescheduled but we will likely hold it probably in the fall also so that we can still offer that
1: um, it, it always amazes me because it was my number one question, kind of when I started working full time and, and came out with this this whole mental health story is the, the lack of training and preparedness that a lot of companies and uh, corporations give new managers when it comes to dealing with employees' mental health. Um, I've had this discussion a number number of times in the podcast where, you know, people are, like you said, they're, they're maybe good at coding or, or great at graphic design or they're really good at marketing and then you become a manager of a team and they find out that basically being a manager, your entire task is just dealing with the people almost mm-hmm. and all their complex problems and day-to-day life. Why do you think there's been such a lack of that for, for companies and, and not really taking it too seriously?
0: Um I think that I think there's many answers to that question that vary depending on the company. I think that um, truly some people have just never considered. I mean, at the event that you and I met at, I spoke to a CEO of a tech company who told me that he developed an app, He's a coder, he's an app developer. That's what he's really good at and now he has this great company and he has a staff team of I think he said 30 people never prepared to manage actual people and so I think entrepreneurs and business owners um, perhaps hope to manage a team one day but they start off with an idea about a product or service they want to offer and they get really good at that and they just don't consider that having a staff team means a lot of other things and I think also um, I think that there's a shift in mentality that happens. So I think that as people start out in the workforce, you kind of, maybe selfish is the wrong word, but you kind of have to look out for yourself and you're always looking at bettering yourself and you're always trying to get up the career ladder and you're always trying to work for the next promotion. And when you become a manager, you have people reporting to you you have to kind of shift your attitude towards it's not about me anymore what makes me good is supporting my team and helping them succeed and so I think that's a shift that gets missed that could really be addressed for new managers is how do you go from looking out from yourself and striving towards more and making yourself the best that you can get those promotions and and meet your goals but then when you make it to a point where you have people reporting to you you have to shift that mindset and I think that's something that's really not being addressed in a lot of companies Um, and I think also people just don't they shy away from these conversations they don't know who to go to I hope that well I know that that's the niche that I'm filling with talk tools I don't know that there's a lot of other companies in Ottawa at least doing what I'm doing and That's the space I hope to fill. And managers are hungry for it. They feel it. They worry about their teams. They worry about contributing negatively to their team's mental health. Um, You know, they're, they're really trying to do good by their teams. And I really admire when a manager does call me in to consult or have a workshop, it means that they really care about their team and they just don't know where else to get this information. I think there's just a lack of it right now
1: yeah absolutely you know if this this were a, another time we didn't have social distancing and, and you were in and, and in the studio and we we're talking face to face I i could talk to you literally for hours on all this stuff but unfortunately in this new world of zoom i see my time limit running out um do you have any plans for doing any online uh maybe workshops or video sessions podcasts anything like that in, in the works right now or is it just still kind of uncertain don't know where everything's going to be.
0: Yeah, to be honest, it's um, it's uncertain. I've I've had loads of people suggest that to me, okay. so I've definitely been looking into it. And um, I I will be the Talk Tools Facebook page will have some infographics coming out with tips for managers and tips for people who now find themselves working from home. And I think the next step for me will definitely be some online courses or at least calls to consult on, um, because I think that we're all going to be looking for ways to build community outside of seeing each other in person and that if this goes on much longer, um, my business will definitely have to adapt online. So as of yet, I don't have any concrete plans, but there's definitely stuff in the works.
1: Yeah. um, You know, like you said, you're filling a niche in Ottawa and I I really respect the job you're doing uh, and really appreciate it. And like I said, I could talk to you for hours on all this stuff. Uh, If people want more information on all this, where can, where can they go?
0: So my website is talktoolstraining.com. So people can find my contact info there and read a little bit more about the workshops I offer. And then I have a Facebook page, which is at Talk Tools Training um, and also LinkedIn. I am old school and I don't have Instagram uh, or Twitter. (laughs) So Facebook, LinkedIn and my website is where people can find me.
1: That's that's incredible. Brandon, thank you so much for coming on. Don't leave yet because uh, I'll talk to you a little bit off mic. But uh, okay. yeah, thank you so much for coming on and sharing some of this with us. I really, really do appreciate it.
0: Thanks for having me, Ryan. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.